Join the Pop Life Podcast conversation. Follow us on Twitter at the Pop Life Podcast. Find us on iTunes at the Pop Life Podcast. Be sure to rate us, please. And find us on SoundCloud and share and like and subscribe. Thanks. Welcome to the Pop Life Podcast, coming to you from the Crosby Collective Studio. Starring your hosts, Jeffrey Sledge, Naima Cochran, and Sean Young. If it's top of mind in pop culture, it's up for discussion. Thank you for joining us this week. The Pop Life begins in 3, 2, 1. All right, Pop Life Podcast. Today is, oh, shit, man. <laughs> Woo! Don't get me the line. Um, I'm going to take a <laughs> swing at it and say, uh, uh, March 8th. I don't know. Is seven. that right? It's the 7th. Seven. 7th. Seven? Okay. Well, I wasn't that far off. I wasn't that, wasn't that, far. Not that far off. Yeah, I'm uh I'm 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 an, I'm I'm floating right now, so you know everything is off because I don't know what day it is. I I'm living out of bags. So I've been buying underwear and uh from the Marshalls. Just <laughs> like going you said on. From the yeah, that's what happened. So uh, peace to whoever this woman was. She's uh, literally an angel sent from the heavens above. So I was in Atlanta last week, um, working, and on I came home on. Um, Herb wasn't there, but I saw my man Mel from Mississippi. He cut me, um, and then I was I was a, I was in a big shopping center. Called, you know, a lot of people from the area know it's called Camp Creek. It's a huge shopping center in Atlanta, so that's where the barbershop was. So I, there's a Marshalls there. So I was, you know, I'm I was like, let me go buy some underwear because I ain't got none. You know, I'm living out of bags till I move. I go over to the Marshalls. Get my underwear and my little, you know, t-shirts, whatever. I'm good. Shoot to the airport. It's like ten minutes from there. I've dropped the rental car. I forget about the rental car, and I'm like, "Where's my wallet?" Looking under the car or anything, no wallet. Panicking. So last place I was at was the Marshalls. So I call the Uber. Uh, take an Uber back over to the Marshalls. Looking in the parking lot where I parked, no wallet. I'm like, man, I'm fucked up right now, man. I ain't got no ID. I ain't got no credit cards. I ain't got nothing. I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I walk into the marshals and the manager is like, somebody just returned your wallet. Full stop. There's no usage on my cards or nothing. So peace to that lady, whoever she is, uh, for returning my wallet. You She's better an pay some tides to somebody somewhere. Yeah. That's I, 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 I was looking for the lady. I, I, t- I told Sean, I was about to, I, I think I told Sean, so I told somebody, I was about to give all the money I had in my bag. <laughs> to take it all. I don't know how much it is. It's a hundred something dollars. Just take it. But she had already left. Um, but yeah, I got to pay some tithes or whatever. And then I got back to the airport, got to upgrade. So I was in the first class on the JFK when, when um, JFK, uh, which was a terrible ass airport. Um, and then, uh, when I got, uh, landed, I, my, you know, my apartment was, um, Confirmed. So I'm glad I had them having a great day on Tuesday. Started yeah, off. Yeah, so peace to that lady. Peace to the Lord. To the yes, Lord above. Shout out to Jesus. Yeah, yeah shout out to Jesus and Jehovah <laughs> and, 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 and whoever, whoever, whoever else you want to call him. Uh, yeah, so that's. that's but, but we have, wait, wait, we have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. Okay. See, any guest to you because, you know, you know, just, you know, whatever. So. You ain't seen you in a long time, in a month of Sundays. I know, I know. It's you great to see you guys. Last time I was here, last time I was on the podcast, it had to have been a good four years ago. Yeah, it was a long, a long time ago. I think and we y'all still going strong. 
Wow. Yeah, I think really? we were still at Crosby the last time Cheyenne was with us. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I can, you could be right. I, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I Cheyenne, Cheyenne, uh, Naima's sister, who's uh, a world traveler now and a TED talker and a and a hair and a hair expert and a yeah, uh, just a, just a what I want to call her. Uh, um, what's the call? Um, she's an influencer. The influence of uh, what's what they call them? what they call them people people like you. Uh, damn, why am I blanking out? Uh, um, so old and black. I know. Old and blacker. Damn, Renaissance woman. That's what ah, I want to call. There we go. There we go. Exactly. Porn. All that. We've got all of those great names. Exactly. I'm also uh, a stranded. <laughs> yeah, refugee. <laughs> How you gonna stand there watching nights? Okay, we'll get into it later. But but uh we're happy to have you back. Uh, you know, live. You know, we all you know obviously we all follow you know follow you on the gram and all that stuff, but it's nice to see you and nice to have you back um and you sharing your opinions about what we're gonna be talking about today. Yes. So yes. peace to you. <laughs> peace to y'all. Peace to you, light skin. So, <laughs> um, well, yeah, I said my piece too because my piece too was well. I got a couple piece too. So, piece to the woman who said found my wallet. Piece to uh, Rochdale Village, which is a huge uh, co-op complex in Jamaica, Queens, New York, which is all black. There's literally no. There's no white people in Southside Jamaica, Queens. No, it's it's you're in the West Indies. Yeah. And, yeah, and then co-op is like Black American. There's West Indians here too, but like more mostly, there's a lot of Black Americans here. But once you leave out of the co- uh, co-op, once you leave out of Rochdale Village, it's definitely like very. It's gotten very. It didn't used to be like I was actually talking to Angelique, friend of the show, because she grew up in this area, mm-hmm. um, and she was you know her parents still have a house here, and she was saying that like how the Caribbean influence just has just come here in the past few years. It was you know black until. A lot of those people either. You I, know, think it the, I think it started in the late eighties. Well, yeah, you could tell that. Like, watch coming to America. Like that used to be. That was this. Like yeah. a black middle class enclave, which exactly. And Rochdale still is. Like Rochdale's like we, or, you know, used to be like the black working when you could be working class and middle class at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That's that's what Rochdale was. You know, like Take a couple vacations a per year. And and you got you a good co op and mm-hmm. that where the McDowell's lived. They lived. They, they lived in this area. They lived. They lived in, they lived in technically the Mc- states, right? Yeah, Jamaica. They lived states. in Jamaica states, yeah. which is yeah. is in not far. It's yeah, not, not far. far from where I'm at. It's the same general kind of area. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but she said that you know the the those older blacks have either have either passed away you know uh, over time or you know, a lot of them moved south as you know we yeah. do when the weather starts to get to be too bad and the Caribbean. Caribbean people came in and kind of bought a lot, of, bought up a lot of the houses in the area, and this is true because, like, like you said, it's like literally like a, a Jamaican restaurant, like on every corner. It's like it's crazy yeah. how many Caribbean people live out here. Um, but you know, I, I mean, it's cool. I, I, I couldn't live out here because it's just too far from the city. But like, it, you know, it's nice. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable. But you know, I'm ready to kind of. And Rochdale is like you can't even, even though Jamaica is one of the more accessible areas of Queens, you can't take a train to Rochdale. You got to yeah. train and bus it or you got a long well, island. Well, that's a two fair, so that's a two fair zone. Two fair zone, yeah. yeah absolutely. And the train. I went to school out there. I used to go to high school at um, August Martin. Oh, you went to August Martin? Okay. Yeah, okay. I went to August Martin. Okay. So, yeah, I'm 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 very, very familiar. familiar with that two fair zone, baby. Mm-hmm. It should that, shit is, that shit is real come winter time. <laughs> what? 
Woo! A few days ago, you know, a couple days ago, when it was, even last night, it was super cold. You know, ain't nothing cutting the wind out here. It's just, you just getting, it's yeah. like, you know, I know Shy looking at us like, whatever, nigga, I'm from Chicago, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was living in Chicago in a minute. And, and she lived, and she lived. Oh, then you was up in the bean. That's right, you was up in the bean, too. That shit ain't no joke, neither, but. But anyway, yes, yeah, so those are my peace twos. But uh, y'all got any shout outs or peace twos? Um, I want to say shout out to my mommy. It was her 70th birthday. Ow. Birthday. So shout out to you, mama. Out here living her mama. best life. Looking great, too. She, don't give, she ain't going back and forth with you niggas. Yeah. Uh, she looks. As, as she shouldn't. <laughs> I didn't realize mom was 70. Yeah, this is her 70. I wanted her to do something this year, but. um. And I've been asking her for a year, like, what do you want to do? Because, you know, 60, when she turned 60, we did a big party here in the city for her. She turned 65. We did a dinner, which, okay. um, Jeff, you came to. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was um, great. I had a great time. So I was like, you know, what do you want to do for 70? But one of her friends is in the middle of chemo and there's been some, and she's been traveling a lot in general. So she was like, you know, she's going to go see Robert Glasper this weekend. She is going to okay. go see Robert Glasper this weekend with my cousin. So they're going to go get that, that, that on. Um, but yeah, she was just like chilling, but she, but she's good and she's happy. And for those of you who follow my mom on social media, cause I know some of you do, or at least follow me following my mom. She loves everybody shouting her out on social media on her birthday. So thank you. If you hit up, if you hit her up on, on my Instagram post, just know she saw it. She appreciates you. Beautiful. Oh, we got one other one. Well, another one of the extended, we got another member of the extended family. You want to say that one, not? We got another member. Oh, Shout out to Lauren Grant and um and her fiance Jason. Uh baby Mason is here. Country cousin. Y'all know country, her as all known as, exactly. There's a country cousin junior. Exactly. Um in, in the building. He Baby made, Country. Baby Country. <laughs> baby Country is here. He made his debut yesterday morning. Um, so we are happy about that. Lauren is an ecstatic mommy. Mommy and baby are healthy and well. Um and so we're happy about that. So yeah, baby Mason. He light skin right now, but she's hoping that at some point. Well, you know, uh, you put a chick behind the ears. And they gotta look, but his daddy the dog got, behind the ears. But yeah, she gotta look at the tips of his ears and see what yeah. that's called. <laughs> that's real. That one. That one is actually real. That's real. Yes. That no, that's real. actually very real. That one is actually real. <laughs> Believe it or not. Oh, y'all call me country and old and black. But it is. That one's real. Check the boy is. He's going to be brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got any shout outs, bro? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Oh, sure. Wait, I got to say one more shout, shout out to bro for letting me store some of my shit in his crib <laughs> and, and, use, oh, yeah. and use his truck for a good nine, ten days moving shit back and forth. Hey, that Ford Expedition come through, baby. That shit come through. <laughs> that shit comes through. Peace to the couple niggas almost ran off the road. <laughs> that shit is it's so big. Shit. Yeah, that's that car, that truck's so big, big. It's a big Ooh. truck. Yeah, that's man. what I teach. That's what I teach the kids to drive in. Yeah, because you, you can drive that. You can drive. You, a car, you, can, no you can move that in the city. You good? Yeah, you can yeah. move the car. No problem. That motherfucker. It's like I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> You got any shout outs, uh, uh, Cheyenne? Um, it's been an interesting week for me. I guess I would say shout out and peace to, uh, um, I'm gonna say them, I'm gonna say them second. Right. First shout out and peace to the gentleman at the welcome center desk at JFK airport for realizing a sister was in distress yesterday. 
letting me use his portable charger, looking up the numbers of several passport expedite agencies for me, in addition to the Indonesian consulate, uh, a few other places, trying to help me out yesterday at the airport. Actually, the day before yesterday. <laughs> day before yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Day before yesterday. Um, he was did, he, just... did he ask for your number at the end? He didn't. So shout out to him for that. Damn. Okay. Cheyenne, Cheyenne is stranded in New York um, <laughs> because she was on her way to Bali with friends and her passport expires in two months and they wouldn't let her um, take her flight. Yep. Let that be a lesson to all y'all. Yeah. Uh, I got scolded by the Asian woman in the customs at the customs desk um, that it was my responsibility to know the rules of where I was going. That's mm. my fault. And I was like, later for you, lady. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I need, I need some solutions. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, Lecturing me right now. So not shout out to her, but <laughs> shout out to the people at Passport Rush um, because they did, let's see, I went Tuesday. I got some passport photos taken around the corner, went over to them. They put my passport, uh, they literally put a rush on my passport, and uh, I got the phone call this morning that it's ready for me to pick up later this afternoon. So shout out Great. to them. Um, that's it for me. Okay, well, that's that's plenty. We're going to be looking at your gram for the Bali pictures. I know. I really got to bring it now. I'm trying to decide when I'm going to tell everybody that I messed up and I'm not in Bali yet. Yo, she was doing a whole Bali countdown because my mother was even like, well, I was looking at um, Cheyenne's Instagram. Because, you know, Cheyenne and I have different moms for the listeners. You don't know. She was like, well, I was looking at her Instagram and she was talking about going to Bali and I was waiting for the pictures and I was wondering what was happening. So, you know, your people are like, yo, I had to wait. (laughs) a good 12 hours or almost 24 hours before I even told my mom. Right. And I was like, so did you tell your mom? I was like, (sighs) (laughs) I got to let her know something, but I know she's going to give me an earful, but I ended up telling her yesterday and she was cool with it. But, um, don't, you know, I'm going to make up for it on the back end. The the trip to Qatar or the layover in Qatar is new. I wasn't going to stop in Qatar. Originally, we were having a layover in Guangzhou, China, which, by the way, I was already in Guangzhou, China in September. I was just there. Because, she, because she'd be doing things. Because like I went to Hong Kong. So I actually, this is a bonus, getting a stopover in Qatar. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Qatar, or the the jury's still out on how to pronounce it. Yeah. Qatar, it's Qatar. Is it Qatar? Is it what Qatar? is it, Sean? I feel like you would know. My, I mean, it's hard for me. Well... I think my brother-in-law, he's Egyptian. He oh, yeah, he, he yeah, pronounces yeah. it uh Qatar. Okay. So, well, we're gonna go I, with him. We're gonna go. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna default with him. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But Qatar is uh, it's it's near the UAE, um, in between, kind of like the UAE and Egypt. Um, it's a very beautiful place, and um, they have it arranged where you can take really quick tours during your layovers. Uh, you don't. You no longer need a visa to enter to enter Qatar so they they waive there's a visa waiver they're trying to get more tourists in so I can actually get a visa waiver upon arrival at uh Doha International Airport so I can go into the city for a few hours and kind of explore and then come back in time for my flight so I'm actually really excited about that so a quick question are you doing another TED talk anytime soon you're going to do a TED talk on your travels or like what you what you're thinking about not yet it hasn't been scheduled yet and and I need to get back in touch with the folks who organized my TEDx talk in 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 Boston um the guy's name was John but I I I don't have anything scheduled yet I'm I'm still riding the wave of my last TED talk I mean it was on the it was on the Black History Month playlist last month it was on the ted talk black history one playlist yeah it's it's still getting a little shine so 
Um, so but the I people, guess it's the not. Do people, 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 recognize, people recognize you? Yeah, we're her booking inquiries. For booking inquiries, you can reach out to me. <laughs> At gmail.com. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you do people recognize you like like on the street or sometime if you out? Do people like, oh, you the girl that does the hair or whatever? I've I've gotten it a little closer to when it was actually posted on TED. I okay. did get a, a quite a few people reaching out to me via Facebook, Instagram, um, just saying we saw your TED talk. Um, I had a woman who's an instructor at a beauty school randomly somewhere in New York. I think she showed it to her class. Mm-hmm. She tagged me in it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely come up. But people do times. recognize you from Instagram. People recognize me from Instagram all the time. That's great. Um, when I do, but also mainly when I'm doing hair shows or hair events where I'm hosting or something like that, I do have people come up to me. Um, it's fun. I mean, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I had a few people in my DMs, not to go back to the, to the Bali trip, but I was shocked because I had people in my DMs like, we're really looking forward to seeing. <laughs> Your, your I mean, stories. I had a few women like, girl, I can't wait to see your pictures. I was like, I don't know who this is. Like, girl, I'm just for you. I'm right. going to bring it. So, right. um, it's, you know, it's cool. It's cool. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. So let's get on, get into it. Uh, we'll start as usual. We'll start light and then we'll go deeper. Um, the first thing I want to mention is, uh, the new season of Unsung started. Um, the first episode was Lloyd. Um, did any of y'all see it? No, I started to. You know, I have issue with the unsungs that are about people from the last like fifteen years. Okay, I have to say this episode. I watched it. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was really good. I thought it was excellent, and I thought that he was actually sort of quintessentially unsung when you actually yeah. watch the show. Yeah, like he really fit into what unsung you know ideally would be. be about exactly yeah like he had a couple hits and you know and everything but he never and tricky stewart you know he's obviously you know a really big time producer he's produced for you know rihanna and just right. beyonce like he did single ladies he did umbrella he's he's a he's a huge producer he said it he was like lloyd just never could just quite and everything would just never quite line up for him it just didn't curl for it would always be something that just wouldn't quite fit um, was but it, it was a money thing? No, no, no. They, no, it was just, it was just like he just, like, he had, uh, the early album and then he, um, you know, then he switched and then they, they put out you, but they put out you. And I knew that because I know Jasper and those guys who, who he was signed to, they put out you independently because no, because Sylvia, who he was signed to, I think Electra at the time, didn't really believe in the record. Which, they by put, the way, that record is still a fucking banger. It's a banger, yeah. So then that caught a wave and so they were kind of chasing that and then, you know, um, then he had, uh, uh, Gita Shorty and it's like that, but that, that was his biggest kind of hit chart wise. Um, and even in they, even in the unsung, they mentioned, you know, girls of the world, they mentioned that almost like in passing. And I was like, wait, that song was big. Like that was a, a big black record. They mentioned that, oh yeah. And he had a pretty big hit with girls of the world. I was like, that was, you know, but he just, it, but he was, he, he was very, um, you know, very open about his, you know, what's happened to him and his and his situations. And Irv was on there, still cursing him out, still mad about him. You know, being quote unquote unloyal, disloyal. Uh, you know, Wait, his who Irv? Irv got it. Yeah, he was on there. Yeah. He's interviewed on there. Um, Wait, he was signed. He was signed to Murder Inc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. Murder Inc. Yeah, he was signed to Murder Inc. When they put out you, I thought yeah. he was signed to Young Money. 
No. He never said he never signed to Young Money. He said oh. he said him and Wayne were doing records together, and then remember they did Bedrock. I always thought he was a Young Money artist. No, he, he was supposed to be signed. Exactly. He, they wanted to sign him to Young Money, but he chose to go to the Atlantic, Interscope. I believe. No, Interscope. I'm sorry, Interscope. Interscope. Yes, you're right. And then, and then and so Wayne don't fuck with him because he's Wayne's mad at him that he never signed. So like it was kind of told me this is why I need to watch the unsung. Exactly. And again, it was really well done. Like it's really well produced. It's like they have a lot of, you know, good people on there. So it was it's not like it wasn't like janky and like Lloyd was a very open subject, like talking about was, himself. You know, and what was interesting was I remember seeing Lloyd, I cannot remember this lady's name, the woman from Climax. Oh re- Jocelyn just uh yes. uh Justin I wanna say not Justin Cooper. What the oh yeah, keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Yes, but but that that woman, I remember when Lloyd was jo- signed Joyce to her. Joyce, Joyce Irby. Yeah, I remember when I remember when he was signed to her because we were actually at some function at like a park and they had like this you know sort of talent you know local talent show you know mm-hmm. kids open up and I remember seeing him there. Wow. And I remember that. Well, yeah, she had him signed. She was trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And then I think this was right in between uh, In Tune and um, right before he signed to Irv. Okay. Um, so it was like that that sort of middle ground where they were trying to get records on him and trying to figure it out. And I was like, ah, this this kid is pretty talented. Looks like a little bit of work, though. A little, you know, a little bit of heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. He really needs somebody to nurture him still. He's not quite there, but he's like right there. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, the, the 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 murder ink marriage was was pretty um spot on. And it was interesting, right? Because, you know, as much as I like there were parts of Irv's point of view that I kinda agree with, and then parts I was like, my nigga, like you bugging. Um yeah. like when when Atlantic. There was another label that tried to sign him. It was Atlantic. It was tried to sign him, and Mm -hmm. Irv was like, "Nah, B, that's not how any of this works." Yeah, yeah, I got paperwork. Yeah, I got paperwork. Like this doesn't work that way, right? Which is fair, right? But then it was like, my nigga, like your situation had you tied up. You know, financially, you couldn't um, help this kid. Your record label shit was sort of. You know, in the wind, you didn't yeah, quite know what was right going to happen. Yeah, that was right when Murder Inc. was going under, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When, they, when, they, when they caught the charges. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for him, Lloyd is like, yo, man, I got to kind of put food on my table. Yeah. Um, it was really refreshing to see someone still as connected to their family. Like, we don't yeah. often see that with Unsung. Yeah. Yeah. We often see, like, very... um disrupted families um, with this sort of stuff. And what you saw was a a young man that had a clear support system Mm -hmm. that really loved him and really cared for him. I thought it was incredibly stand up. He paid for his sister's med school. Um, Yeah. This is a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a doctor. He, 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 you know, he foot the bill for her to go to med school, man. And, and uh, they really do look just alike. It's they do. Kind of like, they really it's kind of like eerie. Yeah, they do. <laughs> look at she looks like Lloyd with dreads. <laughs> yes. Yes. Impressed. It was like, what's yeah. happening right now? Yeah. But it was, it was, it was a really good, um, it, that was a really good episode. I don't anticipate the other episodes being as good. Um, but that one was definitely one. That I stood mean, out. I'm, I'm still holding out hope for the Jets episode. I definitely plan to be front and center for that one. Yeah, the Jets. I really want to see. I really want to see the Crystal Waters because I remember that too. And I remember there was some issues with her. And um, 
I, you know, again, it was really, it was really well done. So it was a great, great kind of debut episode. Um, so I just wanted to say, give them a shout out. Um, also wanted to give a shout out to, yo, I don't know if any of y'all been watching. Did y'all watch, yo, we did talk about y'all, everybody watched Fix My Life this, uh, this past week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we all did. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and before we get into the episode, I just want to say like, to me, it's been a, been a great season. Like it's been, you know, it's been brutal. It's, you know, it's been some tough watches, but, um, I don't know. They just got, it's been a, this has been a really compelling season. Pretty much every, even episode like last week, the week before last, when the couple walked off because they didn't like what Ayala was doing, even that was kind of compelling in and of itself to watch these people kind of call the show asking for help. And then she's trying to give them help and they're being totally resistant to the help. Right. And she was kind of like, well, why'd y'all come on here? And they weren't, I didn't feel like they got on there just on some, like, I just want to be on TV. I just think that the, um, the way their relationship was set up, that the, the, the woman in the relationship just she wasn't. She wanted to control the narrative. Yeah, exactly. She wasn't used to anybody, anybody controlling the narrative except her. And when somebody else bucked against that, she didn't know how to handle it. So. But that's what I don't understand when, like, have y'all not watched the show? <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't. Ayala fights with people so often because of the direction things take that I don't understand. If you've even ever only watched two episodes of Fix My Life, you, you know. know what's going to happen. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get that. I don't get it either. But uh, this week was a brutal watch. It was uh, about uh, 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 siblings. I think it was four of them. I think it was four siblings. You had two boys. No, five. It was three boys and two girls Right. Uh, who had uh, grew up in the Several foster homes, and except for one, one grew up in the so, oldest one grew up in a stable home. The rest of them grew up in the system. And it was very interesting. But you're you're right. I was going to bring that up now. That the, the um, first of all, I thought she was the youngest when I looked at her. But I think that I think a lot of that probably comes because she grew up in a, a bit more of a stable home. So maybe she doesn't have kind of like carrying as much as much stress as her siblings. But I also thought it was just like a stark contrast, like who grew up in the foster homes except for the, the the girl the three boys were all like pretty small kind of pretty small framed um and they, ta- and they talked about how they had been starved as kids and only like fed bread and water for like these long stretches of time and all this other abuse and then meanwhile the oldest one who grew up with the grandmother was very heavy set and it was almost like a stark contrast like she got to like eat <laughs> you know what i'm saying and like eat to abundance whereas these other ones were just small framed and kind of fragile because they were just starved for everything, starved for food, starved for attention, starved for affection. Just, it was a very kind of stark contrast, but like some of the things that they said happened to them were just like, Jesus Christ, man, like having to have sex with each other and yeah, like the oldest one, shit, man. The oldest brother would say that they would keep him locked in the basement. And and sorry, guys, if you guys hear background noises, because I have an open mic so that um, me and Cheyenne can both talk. But um, the oldest one was saying how he would stay locked and starved until he would agree to, to quote unquote, mess with his brothers and sister. Yeah, and yeah. there was a really uncomfortable moment where. Like he and his sister had the Ayala had he and his sister like face each other so that he could apologize to her mm-hmm. and and tell him that he loved her and you know offer an opportunity for her to forgive him and these these siblings like when the oldest one walked in granted all of them all the boys have done bids um yeah. and been in and out of jail I think he was in jail for the longest yeah and- he was in jail for six fourteen years. 
And yeah, so and he had party. Seen, it had been like 10 years since he saw one, 12 years since he saw another, and like 16 years since he'd seen another. So like, this is not, uh, they, they would chat sometimes, but they had not, I think this was the first time all of them had been in the same room probably since they since were they old were enough little. to come out mm-hmm. of the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because the one one uh, another brother who has been, has been arrested several times, he they the other siblings didn't even know, right? That he had been he, had, he that, that that had been part of his life, kind of going in and out of jail. They were they they you said they they live I guess in different parts of the where they live and they don't really communicate or or talk. You said more than a few chats or texting, but as far as getting together, like like Naima said, they don't even do that. They just it was too painful because it's too tra- too much trauma. If you've seen each other, brings up. These horrible, horrible uh, things that happened. So, but, but um, I got to say this about Auntie Ayana. So, first of all, it w- it was a good episode. I really feel like it should have been a two parter. If well, anything, it is. It is. It's, it's a new part. It's, it's another part this week. There is. Yeah, but they're bringing the mother on this week. Oh, because it mm-hmm. looked very much like they were coming to the end of a discussion. Because they even yeah, said yeah. how the siblings were going. So, I guess this is just separate to talk about the mom. May- yeah, maybe maybe the mom is because I what I read is that the mom was supposed to come on with them. And decided not to, and then I guess later on decided to come on. So I don't know if this week the kids will still be there, but the mom. It is a two-part episode, you know, okay, thing. All they, yeah, but they were wrapping yeah. up the kids. They wrap, They did like the 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 screens at the yeah, end. Like what, what's the, happening now and all that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as much as a lot of healing was needed here, y'all know, like Ayala and her ritual. So first of all, I do believe in using ritual and and ceremony and symbolism to help move through things to help um get clear or to help solve drama or to help process situations and thoughts but ayala just sometimes i feel like she just be making shit up and she had the oldest son who called himself will of god and she kept calling him will i am which was a whole nother thing um well, she's old and black <laughs> she was like come on will i am will i am God's favorite Come on, like whatever. So, um, she had Will. She went out into the yard and like was digging a hole. And you know, Ayala gets frantic. She's like, "Come over here, baby." She's digging a hole with a hand. She's like, "Come here, come here." She's like, "I want you to lean over this hole, and I need you to speak mm-hmm. into the hole. I need you to call it out into the hole." And I was kind of like, "I mean, I get it," but I was like, "You just made that up." <laughs> I mean, he did it, but I was definitely like, "You just made that up." She's like, "What are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be like uh, unleashing all your stuff, demons, back into the earth?" Or it was something I'm like that. Some shit, I don't know, but I was just <laughs> like, like the man was laying prostrate on the ground with his head in some dirt. It was just a lot. I was just he like, said he, felt, "He said he felt better after." <laughs> I mean, okay, you know, but uh, I just, I just, again, I, I kind of wanted to just mention that because the episode was so brutal, such a hard watch. It's been a lot of hard watches for black folks. This week, um, which we'll obviously shit, get into, um, uh, this month, shit, this, yeah, this whole year, shit, you know, um, but I just wanted to kind of mention that. I guess I just think it's been a great season, very compelling season. Um, I don't know if y'all kept up with, did y'all keep up with Love and Marriage Huntsville? Well, you I never really watched it, now. Did you, did, uh, you, did you keep up, bro? You checked out? Nah, I, I kind of watched this most recent episode part of it. I just sort of tuned in. So, I mean, I can, I can chime in on that, but it's, it's exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually, actually, this was a season finale, which was kind of weird because it didn't come across like that. It just came across as another episode, but, um, 
I, I thought over. I just you know we have to get into the episode per se because it kind of was is what, a, what the same thing that's been happening. But I thought it, you know, as the season went on, it, it got it got better. It felt like it gained a little momentum. I think it could turn into you know a somewhat you know kind of compelling show. It's got these three couples like, like we spoke about before, all live in Huntsville. I think most of them went to. I think I think out of the six of them, I think at least four of them went to like Alabama A and M. They went to black schools. Um, I, uh, several of them are Greek, so they're like you know they're you know the young, well fairly young, you know kind of forty something year old black, you know couples on the up on the up. You know they all real estate do, work in real estate. They making seem to be making decent. Um, and it's kind of like you know that peek behind the curtain, almost similar to Married to the Medicine, and that's like. You know, you, they got the Range Rovers and they got the car, they got the nice house and they wear nice clothes and everybody's hair is always done. And but it's kind of like you pull back that curtain a little bit and realize even with all the, that kind of stuff, you know, you know, niggas still niggas got issues. You know what I'm saying? And and it's kind of like I, I appreciated them kind of showing um, some of their issues and the issues kind of like mushroomed as the season um, as the season went on, because initially it looked like it was just going to be kind of fluffy. Uh, but as the season went on, it got it caught a little caught a little steam. So what's going get... on? What's going on with um that husband? I don't like that nigga there. Oh, okay. So that nigga. Wait, which nigga? There's two. The one who cheats or the one who's a caveman? The one who's a caveman. The caveman nigga. So he was still trying to be a caveman. So in the last episode, his name was Marceau. In the last episode, his wife. Um, T T. I think her name is T T Tisha. She said she came to him and said, "Look, I'm going back to work. That's it. I accepted the job, and that's all it is to it." And he tried to push back, but the job she accepted was at a real estate office. Who who and the real estate person um has uh um they're developing a whole they're building a hotel in Huntsville, and so the real estate person once she got the job, once she gave Tisha the job, she was like, "Yo, we I know we you told us about your husband." who does real estate and we'd like to get him involved in helping us to develop and build this hotel, which is obviously a big project worth a lot of money. So then when she mentioned that to him, he was like, Oh shit. Whoa, whoa. And she was like, yeah, see, if we work together, we can get money instead of you want me to sit in the damn house and just take right. care of these kids all day. So, but <laughs> I, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> you know, look, man, I know a little bit about a little bit, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot about a lot. Um, I don't think that's how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. Like a hotel is a really big deal and a person it's a huge deal. Yeah, and a person <laughs> that is building residential properties, one-offs, you know, maybe, you know, two, three, four homes at a time, mm -hmm. like while wow, that's great, like that's not a hotel, guys. Like yeah. that's not like you have to put in bids, okay, for a contractor to come in. So, it seemed like she was saying, hey, there's an opportunity here, but it was presented as like you kind of got it. Like he got it, yeah. And then and then he presented it to his brother like it was a done deal. And I was like, dude, like You sure this about is, this that? Is, <laughs> like, yeah, like let's slow down here. Like I'm always like I've always said, I'm always concerned with all of these sort of high level uh degree people. And, and some of this business acumen that comes with that, right? Is because yeah. they don't, in my opinion, it seems like that's a person with no real world application as to how this is going to go, right? Yeah. Because you're now like, dude, you're competing for a hotel. I'm assuming that this hotel is going to be a few acres of land, 
probably yeah. going to be anywhere between 60 to 100 room. Like that is a big project. My yeah. Dude. Yeah. So now you got to deal with city permits on a level that you've never had to deal yeah. with. You Zoning. know what I'm saying? Zoning, all sorts of things that you're going to be expected to handle. And it just doesn't seem like that was sort of in his wheelhouse. But again, you know, look, it looks good for the camera. It was, look, it was right? good. Right. Right. It, it, it looks good for the camera. Yeah. And that's, and that's really what, that's really what you see here. Like, that's why you said it did start out fluffy, right? Because I'm pretty sure those folks were sold on this being a fluffy show. Like, Hey, you know, we're going to come out here. We're going to get in our Range Rovers, right? We're going to, we're going to put on our, our good business suits, right? And we're going, mm -hmm. and we're going to look the part, right? Yeah, we're going to yeah. show you all this good looking blackness. And yeah. then it was like, that nigga looked like he hit you. And this other nigga cheating on you, yeah, right? And then it exactly. turned, and then it turned into real reality TV, real right? Shit. It turned real into like regular nigga shit. Yeah. And, and, it, and it seemed like, and it seemed like they wasn't really prepared for this real regular nigga shit to be no. out there. Right. That's, and that, that's, I agree a, a million percent. I mean, Sean succinctly said it way better than I said it earlier, which is like, yeah, like it was like, it was fluffy at the beginning, but like, yeah. And then it was like, wait a minute. This thing is cheating. This thing got they, like, wait a minute. He he wasn't. This thing just wasn't cheating. He had a he had a full blown relationship. He was oh, he yeah. was dealing with this other woman for two years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and basically and basically told old girl like, shut the fuck up about this. Like yeah. I ain't talking about this no more. Yeah, and, all right. And we kinda, done dealt kinda, with this. And kind of kept in, you know, there was little things that kept coming up. It was like, oh, he's still fucking with that girl. Yo, it, it wasn't even yo, man. So look, so <laughs> so I I say all I say all that to say. A lot of times in production, um, and this isn't a shot at the producers of the show, but a lot of times in production, just like with, with making an album, right? Like you follow the flow, you follow the lead, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes what you might go out and anticipate isn't necessarily what you come back with. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And so you kind of got to adjust to that. And that's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with the reaction, yeah. right? Because, yeah. because, because, you know, that's a, that's an attractive young woman. Okay. Yes, and she's going to be out here. Okay. And niggas going to be at her neck. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. Hard, hard. Yeah. Hard yeah. my nigga. So, yeah. so, so be very clear, old boy. You going, you, 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 you thinking it's going to be sweet. Okay. Yeah. Well, she ain't only in Huntsville now. Yeah, exactly. She, she, national. Was, she, was, she was at the Rock Nation brunch at the Grammys. That's, that's, that's my point, right? Mm -hmm. So she's getting a taste of that. She's getting a taste of that freedom. She's getting a taste of And I'm not saying she's looking for anything like that. My point yeah, yeah, is... Yeah, but you know, but she's going to get some attention. My point is they're no longer in Huntsville. Yeah, yeah. It's bigger than, it's bigger than that. Like, and honestly, almost... I can think of several reality TV shows where we've seen where when there is a couple with a controlling husband... It's only a matter of time before that marriage ends. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Even if the wife didn't necessarily want it. And I think specifically of court of Portia and um Cordell. And Cord like Cordell, yeah. once once you can't restrain her anymore. Oh nigga, she she out here. Yeah, she, she oh, you mean to tell me that good looking men with 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 a, a certain amount of stability are also checking for me? Like I don't have to and, and I don't have to deal with this nigga? Yeah, and his fuck shit, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was, yeah, it turned into something like, like, like in, uh, like, like, uh, KMGZ Kells always like to say, you thought it was one way and it was the other. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like how the, 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 to the show and 
to, you know, to probably, you know, maybe, you know, their marriage, you know, at some point. So, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, actually, you know what? Let's jump into one of these deep topics out the door. Let's just get into it because it's so uh, hot on prime time. <sighs> R. Kelly. So this boy, that, this nigga done had Why literally the it? worst, the craziest tw- 48 hours ever. So, um, CBS this morning, uh, Gail King, who's on, on CBS this morning, um, did an interview with Robert, which I didn't realize until today is going to be a whole special. Oh, I didn't you know realize that. that yeah, it's coming on tomorrow. It's a full special. So what we've been seeing are, are just clips. I thought we were, I thought we were done. Nah, it's a lot more shit to show. So, um, she went and interviewed R. Kelly in Chicago, um, and talked about all the allegations, um, and and Kells went left, and Kells proved Robert, exactly Kells, Robert, Robert, Robert should never do. Uh, look, we, he doesn't. Me. Well, that's the thing. There is a reason <laughs> there have not been a lot of sit down. Like somebody who has Rob R. Kelly has a thirty year career. This yeah. is like the fourth on camera sit down I can remember. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe right. There's it a always reason. goes left. <laughs> At, after that Teray interview, they put the kibosh on all that shit. And then remember he did the Huff Post thing. And then he did Huff Post, which <laughs> I don't know why anybody thought him doing a live interview was a good idea. With a white with a white woman. With a white woman live. <laughs> I don't know why anybody thought that was a good idea. That went left, he stomped off. And this is the first sit down he's done since then. So yeah, he was telling Gail, nobody invites him on to tell his side of the story. Just because nigga, you don't do, first of all, you don't do interviews. Secondly, you're wild, uncontrollable, and unpredictable. And because he has never and I blame all the people around him for some of this because he has never been properly media trained because he's never had to do interviews because he's never had someone helping him go through this. And because the people around him have not been honest for a long time about what the public conversation is about him. He is not prepared for these things. He is not prepared to be challenged and questioned in real time. You can tell he came in there just wanting to be able to get his say out. Cause then he just started talking to the camera and Gail was like, Robert, I have to ask you questions. You can't just like yell at the camera. Like he was just Robert. Like, Rob, Robert, we have Robert, to have it. Robert, we have to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, like Gail was hitting him with all the old black auntie shit. Robert, uh, please sit down. Please sit, Robert, sit down. <laughs> 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 Robert, we can't, we, we can't do it like this. Robert, we have. One of the things I want to say too. I was very, I was very glad that Gail reiterated that she was not afraid. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I thought that that was very important for her to say. And yeah. I thought it was very telling for her to say. I mean, we know that she wasn't afraid because we've seen that before, right? And that was very much, nigga, sit down. That's Stop cousin Junior acting a goddamn fool yes. again. I, showing his ass. And, <laughs> exactly. and we knew what that was. And we knew that she knew what that was. So I was glad she was able to say that in a way that was sort of, um, I wouldn't say code speak. But basically, it was yeah, cold was speak for cold us, speak. like, well, like, like for us, like, nigga, we, 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 we knew what this was. I'm yeah, not, he, a, I'm he not worried about he him. He wasn't gonna do shit. Ain't yeah, nobody think about that boy. Exactly, exactly. But also, apparently, there is a technical, like most of us, and it's very possible. Those of us who are black were just like, Gail's a black mama. This what the fuck you do when folks is acting out. Mm-hmm. But apparently, there is a technical term for Gail's behavior. When dealing with severe narcissistic personality, which Rob is, mm-hmm. and which Trump is, and it's called the gray rock. And what it is, is you don't give them any energy. You don't give them any response. 
Your tone is completely neutral. It's not threatening. It's not condemning. It's not scared. There's no fear. It's so everything about you is non-reactive. Like, mm. like nothing they're doing, like your face, your movements, you don't change your body composition. Like you don't do anything. And that's what Gail was doing because narcissists really just want a reaction, any reaction. Yeah. It, one way, any type, any, one way or the other. Anger, fear, engagement. They just want some kind of reaction. And all of that shit R was doing was for reaction. But yeah. and, and his publicist, who looks who I said looks like um a youth choir yeah. leader for a progressive <laughs> megachurch. He got he got his he got like dreads and a mohawk and a shaved head and, and a goatee. It's yeah. a lot happening. It takes um, that nigga two and a half hours to get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> like his publicist came in mid interview to calm him down, but I would have been like, "We done." Like I, this is not. But is a, that really a publicist? I don't think that's a real publicist. That look, he that look, is he somebody cousin? That looked like the nigga most presentable. Like he could, he could type up an email that ain't gonna have yeah. typos in it. Yeah, he, he could put on you a know. decent suit, and he ain't going, he ain't going fuck his, up too got bad. His real estate, got his real estate license. Yeah, he's <laughs> he doing taxes. He got an associate That nigga fix the credit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He got, he the one nigga that maybe got a college degree, maybe in a yeah, Maybe. Or he, he might be take 10 credits short. Like, I'm gonna go back and finish. Right. But he went to a, he went to a good school. He just ain't finished. Yeah, um, he just ain't finished. But he had just, a, he just had a baby. Right now, this is why he's got D League. Like, he's not gonna be able to ever get anybody credible to represent him in any capacity, in no. anything, ever again, in like yeah. his life. Yeah. Yeah. So in the interview, let's talk, let's talk about his interview. And then, and then today was a, the second part, I guess, which again, we'll see in the full special. Um, when I'm happy for Gail for getting this, cause it looks, I guess it feels like they're also kind of trying to set Gail up to kind of do more of these type of things. Um, but in the second part today was, uh, two of the girls who live with him and are both in love with him that we saw in the, um, Surviving R. Kelly, um, series. So, um, yesterday was Robert alone. And he goes on a full rant about, uh, you know, how they're, they're killing him. And he, he gave uh, 30 years of his career and he just wants to see his kids. And, um, he, right, everything which we now was about that whole, I'm fighting for a relationship with my kids. That was really about the, the child support. The child support. Cause he was okay, arrested so was up. last yeah. yesterday afternoon owing, uh, what, 161,000, I believe it was in back, yes. back yeah. child support, which is crazy. Cause and he's he in jail have, until he can pay it. Yeah, because cause he didn't even have the money to get out. Uh, uh, when he first got arrested, it was a million dollar uh, bail, which is a hundred thousand dollar bond, and he didn't even have that. And so, as a woman who stepped up and gave him the hundred grand to get out, and I like now I said he's back in, and he can't get out until he pays the one sixty one, and he couldn't pay the hundred. I don't know he gonna get, where he gonna get one sixty one from. Um, and then you know with child support, that clock keeps ticking. So come April first, click click. That's another click. So. Right. He's in a bad, he's in a, but anyway, he was talking about, you know, his kids. He's talking about, you know, how we're killing him and how everything was lies and he hasn't done any of this stuff. And, you know, Gail's like, but Robert, like, we got, kind of got evidence of you doing stuff. Right. And he's like, I've never, never slept with anybody under the age of 18. Yeah, she asked, yeah, she asked, have you ever slept with anybody younger than 17? And he said, no. She was no. like, never. He was like, never. She's like, never. She asked like four times. She was like, "Never." Like, I nigga, like, Leah was Leah was fifteen and like y'all niggas was married. Are you fucking kidding? But see, that's how liars work. It's like Trump. Like you just 
if I say like, this lie, if I say this lie with conviction long enough, enough times, and and I and and it comes off as as though I believe it, right? Then you'll, you'll believe, believe it. it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's very much like who are you gonna believe me or your lying eyes type shit. And it's like what killed me with there were a couple of moments that really killed me in the interview that were released as clips. One was well, and also Rob contradicted himself because then. Gail asked him about therapy. He was like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that. So if you didn't do anything wrong, why are you telling us that you're going to therapy? But whatever. Um, he said, Gail asked him about liking women much younger than him or the women living with him being much younger than him. And he was like, I don't look at them as younger. I just look at them as legal. Who says that? Yeah. Who says yeah. that? Yeah. what nigga who likes to fuck chicks who aren't legal. Like how? And he said it twice. How but that's why that's but but that that goes back that goes back to the point that I made to you guys last time we talked about this during the uh, documentary was that he specifically now um while he probably no longer has you know a 13 or 14 year old girl around him he specifically um stays in that realm of legality and that murkiness of legality like She's six. She just turned 16 like That's three months ago and it's legal in Georgia. Right. Yeah, so like, good. <laughs> so the, yes, the, the legal age, because if you notice, like those ages vary in the various locations that he's mm-hmm. in. True, true, true. But I so, don't know uh, why you don't understand that saying that is actually admitting well, that you're a because he's not because he's not smart. Like, how do you like just like how you does your lawyer tell you best the statement that you make? But just like he didn't understand when he said the Torrey, or what you mean by teenager? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he just—that's what he, you know. He uh, also, wait, if you what, notice, he also never uses the word when Gail brought up his past. If you notice in that interview, he never uses the word "I was innocent of those charges." Right. He always he says, "I beat, I beat the case." I beat yeah. the case. Right. Not that. Yeah. So, so language is. We know that language is important, right? And we understand that when you're going on television, like how those words, because you have these very short periods of time, and how words means things, right? So, mm-hmm. to 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 basically, so basically, what you're saying is, like, you got away with this crime, you weren't convicted, and therefore it shouldn't stand. You're not saying right. that you were yeah, innocent and you false like, you accusations. Can't, you can't double jeopardy me, which that's not yeah. how double jeopardy works. It, but, like, yeah. like he's a, but he's unconscious. That's the thing that kills me. He's not even conscious of how much he's telling on himself when he, in his word choice. Like he, he that's doesn't also even the language it. from his lawyers too. So his lawyers his have lawyers used that stupid. same that that same term of of double jeopardy, right. and so they are giving him a very narrow window of what word choice, like you said, Sean, mm-hmm. he can use, and he's sticking with that, and he's right. just driving it home as much as he possibly can. And then what Kells brings to the picture of his own is the drama, the tears. I mean, when he was standing up and and going through the fight, I, I felt like I was watching an episode of Trapped in the Closet. Yeah, like I almost felt like he somebody was, has put Trapped in the Closet music. But I it. almost felt yeah. like he was. Yeah, I almost felt like he was. There was a melodic tone to his show, and that was on purpose because it was a show. Because that's yeah. what he does. So, like, Shy, so uh, before we get deeper into the interview, oh yeah, because Shy's from Shy. Yeah, you being from Chicago. Um, and you have, you know, are of age to have, you know, known, heard the stories, right? What is the kind of, um, I know you don't, you know, you're not, you know, you kind of move around a lot now. You're not like sitting in Chicago, but like, what do you feel like is the prevailing energy in Chicago at this point about Robert? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think every 
black Chicago person is a little bit guilty of having known this about Kells for years. Literally every person from my age to my mother's age, it was a known fact that R. Kelly liked young girls. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I was in high school, so if we think back to the Lifetime special and, and, um, uh, Jamila Lemieux, who spoke, um, mm-hmm. she and I went to the same high school. So Jamila's okay. about two years older than me. Um, okay. I'm a little bit too young to have been a, 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 a target, right? Like if I were in that age group, I was a little bit too young to be like a target of R. Kelly's drive drive-bys of Kenwood High School or whatever high school. Um, but I absolutely knew about it. I absolutely heard about it when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18. And quite honestly, it was a joke. It was a joke. I mean, it was like a running joke. Everybody knew about it. And mm. we're all guilty. We all kept listening to his music. Um, you would hear about R. Kelly having a party at his crib. You would know some people who went, you know, and it, it, how do I say this? I can understand how certain of the certain women who appeared in that documentary um, still felt like they wanted to be around Kells because even at that age, if you ended up at a party at R. Kelly's house, it was something to brag about. It was like a, it was a, yeah, it was like, I was there. Yeah. Mm. I went to the party or yeah, my friend, my, my home girl, she was there. She told me what went down. Like it was something to talk about. Um, because R. Kelly was, he was hot. I mean, he's a, he's a super celebrity. Think, yeah. I mean, when you're thinking back to 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002, like he's a mega celebrity, especially in Chicago. So it's an honor. It's exciting to, to, to be approached by R. Kelly. And that's the thing that people have to understand when people are saying things like, those girls knew what they were doing. Yeah, they were teenagers, but they knew what they were doing. But you got to understand when you're 16 and you get approached by a mega celeb, yeah. You're you're going along for the ride. Yeah. yeah you're gonna take that. You're gonna ride that wave. Like hell yeah, I'm going to the party. Shit, why wouldn't you're I? Yeah. You're flattered, exactly. Yeah. Um. And and but so 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 you think um the energy in Chicago now is it, it seems to still be a lot of support for Robert. Like even down to the little clip that's now going all around the internet of Robert's quote, quote unquote publicist doing a little press conference and old boy cut, cutting through. <laughs> conference talk about free r kelly you, you, you know with your clown ass or whatever you know like it seems like it's still like a whole lot of overwhelming support in the city am i correct i would say not overwhelming support there's always going to be okay. there's always going to be people who really have a deep love for r kelly they're still going to listen to his music they're still going to support him um but there are other people there's a good amount of people in chicago who are saying he needs to be put away it's time you know, we've known about this long enough. He needs to be locked up. We all know it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, it's in, it's a small, Chicago is a big, small town city and there's always mm-hmm. going to be people who are still going to support our brother, our, our, our brother Kells who represents Chicago. Right. It's always going to be people like that. Yeah. So today we had, uh, the second, uh, kind of guess preview to the big special, which is on, I, I think tonight or tomorrow night, I forget which one, but it's definitely coming on either tonight or tomorrow. And today they spoke to two of the girls, uh, who, um, who are still living with Rob. One, I can't, I'm Asriel and Joycelyn. So Asriel, yes. So from the, from the, from the, um, Surviving R. Kelly special, for those who don't remember, Asriel was the 
girl whose parents were like, we need to see him. Um, and they were like camped out in front of the, at one point they were camped out in front of the studio and they were kind of throwing rocks at the window. And they were the ones who said Alice that. Alice and D'Angelo were the Yeah, Alice and D'Angelo. Yeah, they, they're the ones who said that she cut up when they told her to stop seeing Robert. And Yeah, but um, they're the ones who took her to the concert in the first goddamn place. Yes, and put her on stage. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and then the other, uh, uh, Joycelyn, I believe is how you say her name. Her parents were, also, like, kind of co-signed her going with Robert. Both of them um, was on some, like, singing thing. Like, oh, he could sing, and Robert said he could help with their career, and blah, 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 blah. Now, today, both those girls said, we don't sing. Uh, as you said, I hate singing. I even tried to kill myself because I didn't like to sing. And I, we have no desire to be artists of singing. We, we're both in love with Robert, and we have a relationship with him, and we're both very happy. Um and then Gail talked about how she was supposed to be talking to the girls, you know, just alone. But and Robert was supposed to leave the room, but he ended up coming back and kind of standing around the of corner, and like coughing and making noise, letting them know that him know that that he was there and all this stuff. So, you know, of co- course, controlling that's the narrative. How intimidation works? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so, good, good. I mean, now. at this point. The girls are both like one is twenty and one is yep. no, they're twenty one and twenty three. Yeah, they're twenty one. Yeah, so they're both of age. Yeah, so they're both of age and they're both like grown, grown. And and what happens is the reason that Art is comfortable with them doing interviews and stuff now is because they're like for real grown because there's a two in front of their age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there are some people who will see that, which is kind of like. I know we're going to get into Michael Jackson, which is kind of like the Michael Jackson thing. It's a different thing to see grown people in conversations about abuse, even if the abuse, even if the alleged abuse took place when they were underage. It's something different in your mind that processes it. And I think for people who want to believe things didn't happen, it's much easier to believe it when you see a grown person talking about it. Because um, it, so it looks different now because it, it's a grown person saying it's like, oh, they look grown. They're grown. They're just having sex now. It's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, they're grown. It's whatever. So I think that's one thing. But I don't think, like, until and unless he goes to jail, those girls are going to stay there. I don't know what's happening. I've never been in that kind of a relationship, so I can't even speak to it, you know. But until I mean, and unless been, he goes to jail, they're going to be there. They've been partially raised by him at this point. Exactly. Like, not exactly. even under the tutelage, you know what I mean? They're they, they looking at, at him like boyfriend slash daddy and not even like yeah. in any way, like literally. Right. And when you're so cut off, like, again, these people, these girls are not having any communication with their family. So when you're so isolated, it's easy to believe Whatever this person is telling you, right? I, I I also think it's very interesting that these two particular women are the ones that they have, uh, young women that are the ones that he has sort of in the forefront. But I also think it's very interesting is that these two particular women are also, um, I'm going to just say it, they were served up by their parents. They really were. They were. They were. They were. Right? And, and, and we can, and we can, look, is he? You guys know how I felt about him long before this documentary. I've been consistent about that. But like to see that these parents are so often sort of given a pass or not pressed because they are um, they are seen as victims as well. And I don't necessarily know that to be the case. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that I feel. Uh, and look, I'm not 
blaming them committing these atrocities, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is like for them to pretend like they didn't know what they were serving up there. It's like me telling my kid to get into the drug game. Right. Yeah. And, and, like, then I'm, and then I'm, and then I'm upset. I'm upset that I got to pay for lawyers. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or exactly. I gotta, you know what I'm saying? Or, or the house got shot up. It's like, nigga, what yeah. did you like? This was a part of what came with this. Like how, how, how did you ignore the previous? And what's crazy is that these are recent, like these, these young women are recent people. Yeah. In his in his right. circle, right? So so we're talking about at this point he had had a fifteen to seventeen year history, documented yeah. history of this, and you still thought that it was the, the the best thing for your kid was to do that. And so I say all that to say, I think that that is part of what he uses to uh, manipulate them. Yeah, absolutely. Your parents, but, your parents your, your gave pa you to me. Yeah, your parents didn't really want want you like yeah. that. And your parents you, didn't you want you. And you saw it today on the interview, um, you know, with, with, especially with Azriel more than the Joycelyn girl. She, she was like a lot of anger, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of her anger seemed to stem from her being protective of Robert. But at certain points, like her anger and she, it was openly, she was angry at her parents. Like they're liars. My father's a liar. He, he just, he just wants money. And again, and I know that's a lot. But I, what I feel like a lot, a lot of me watch from Robert, but a lot of also I think deep down I'm, I'm, I'm a psychiatrist, but a lot of deep down is almost like, yeah, yo, fucking put me in this. But yeah, but also <laughs> too, I think both those things can be true, right? Like this is where I think we're missing the boat, where a lot of people are missing the boat. It's like, yes, the parents can be pieces of shit. And they can have had ulterior motives and there may be financial gain that they're looking for because and, of the situation. And, and he's a piece of shit. Yes, yeah. yes. And Robert's still responsible for his behavior. And I think he said in his interview, like their parents sold them to me, which again, I know you think it's a condemnation on the parents, but it doesn't make you look good either. But yeah. he's definitely been telling them girls that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Because yes. He, that's how he takes the onus off of himself. And to even say those words, your parents sold you to me. So that wouldn't, that would one say and confirm that there was a, there was a financial transaction for the possession of a human. Like what the fuck are you talking? Like just that, that is that. just mind blowing. Like mind yeah. blowing. He's yeah. not, Rob, yeah. Rob is one of these niggas. That thinks that because he's been able to get away with shit for so long that he's smarter than everybody, yeah. and he's yeah. really not smart at all. Like he's not he, even that cunning. Yeah. Only way that's so let, me, let me let me ask you a question, and, and, and Shai, and I want you to and I'm obviously including you in this as well. So seeing those, did you... we didn't see the interview this morning. If that's what you're about to ask. Okay, but you saw Surviving Okay. Well, you should you should definitely watch it. But like, what happens to those girls? Like, when you know, if it, if if Robert gets locked up, like, because Gail asked him. That's nothing. Gail asked him. She she said, "Well, what do you guys want to do? Like, with your lives and every career? Do you want to? Is there something?" They were like, "No, nah, we good. Just like this. We don't want to do nothing." Crazy. So like, if, if Robert ends up going away, what happens to these girls? They they, they they're going home. Either they go home or they end up on the track. I hate to say it like that. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they've been groomed. Right. In that way. They could easily to, end up to, on the track. To just to just, or, or do porn because they, they've been groomed to be sexually, you know, 
I don't even say deviant, but just, I guess just do whatever, you know, go they've as far groovy, They've been groovy, but the reason I say, I, the reason I say they might end up going into sex work instead of, instead of porn is because they've also been groomed to have somebody else who actually te- technically handles everything for them true, and tells them what true, to do. True, so that sounds true. like they, they are prime for a pimp relationship. They are yeah, prime. They just want to show up. They just want to yeah. show up. And, or, or I would just hate to see them end up maybe trying to go into some form of normalcy, but always ending up with, maybe it's not a pimp, but some sort of abusive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that from this point on, they will always seek an abusive relationship, yeah. whether it's mentally, emotionally. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's the unfortunate yeah. part. I mean, if they go home, if they're able to go home and reconcile their families, there's going to be a lot of um, emotional and psychological um work to do i think it would be i think it would be detrimental i think it would be detrimental for them to go back to those homes i don't i think that those relationships are um forever forever i think they're i think they're forever damaged and at minimum i think they're in the immediate damage um the only thing that works for those young women is that they do have a level of time on their side i mean we're talking about 21 and 23 year olds, right? So they're still very young and they still have the opportunity to maybe, you know, look, if they go to therapy and they do all of these other different things, I mean, they could be looking at getting into the world by the time they're 30 years old, right? Like that's still a fairly young uh, person, but I, you know, I agree. I definitely feel like they have been groomed to look for these submissive roles and I think, contrary to popular belief, R. Kelly isn't the only one that enjoys those relationships. And I think that right. they're gonna find they're gonna find plenty of men, and they're and they're both you know good looking young attract, girls, right? Attract, yes, they're gonna find they're gonna find a they're gonna find a ton of men that are willing to do those sorts of things and and have those sorts of relationships and and you know keep them together, right? Like I I you know I don't know what that means for his financial situation. I mean, he's been renting homes. He's behind in child support. So, you know, they are clearly not, you know, they ain't eating ribeyes and, and lobster tails over there. Yeah, they're not, they're not on private jets. And, yeah, and at it's all. Not, not the lifestyle they signed up for or they yeah. thought they were signed up for, I'm certain. But they, yeah. but at this point, they don't care. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's, it, was, it, was, it was a tough watching. Uh, but we'll we'll probably mention it next week because like I said we'll, I'm sure we'll all watch the special. It'll be the t- the talk of Twitter, <laughs> and um, you know we'll just kind of recap everything next week. By the way, and just you know because you know me, I'm old and black, so I don't remember everything. Did we talk about Jordan Woods on Red Table Talk? No, right? Yes. No, we, we talked, talked about, about ta- yes, we talked about the fact that she was going to be on Red Table Talk, but we, we hadn't talk talked about the actual episode yeah. yet. It hadn't yeah. come on yet. Yeah. So I did want to just mention that um, Jordan Woods, because um, it's out of the news now, because everything's going so crazy. Uh, but last week, Jordan Woods uh, was on Red Table Talk with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and a guest appearance by Will Smith, who owned her since she was uh, born. You're breaking up a little bit. You said, I get, he was saying Will Smith, who's been close to her since... Um, she was born. I think he's like a They're godfather. Friends, yeah. The, so Will and Jada are very close with Jordan's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of talking about, it was interesting because they explained the connection between Jordan Woods and even Jaden. So mm-hmm. when we briefly saw Jaden hanging out with, with Kylie, twins. it's that same, it it's that same connection of they grew up together. They've been friends with the family. 
Um, and yeah, there's something like a, a godfather role. Oh, and Jordan's father passed. Yeah, Jordan's um, father we'll, we'll passed. Yeah. And so he was like a second dad to her. Prince, he was a sound engineer, I think, on the Fresh Prince for the whole entire series. So him and Will, I, I don't think they were that far apart in age. You know, like Jordan Fowler right. just a little bit older. So they became friend, like legit friends, like sleepovers, hang out, all that. Um, and then father was a father figure, and you know Jordan's been around the family. So with all the drama that's happened with uh with Chloe, uh, Jada reached out to Jordan and said, I want to give you an outlet to come say your side of the story because Jordan was getting, you know, crushed in a, a, a social media and the media in general because the Kardashians have such a stronghold on, you know, the E! Channel and, you know, all those kind of, you know, outlets that talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, so Jordan came on um, and it was, it was, I watched it. It was only like, it was a pretty short interview, maybe 30 minutes, maybe. Um, but, well, you know, the talk is not long. It's like 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And it's something like that, yeah. But it was episode. They poised, um, very. You know, I hate to sound like you know some white guy, but very well spoken. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and you know she's very young. She's only twenty two years old. She's a kid, you know, and right. she uh, you know, said her piece about what happened that night. She said she was hanging out in the club, and um, till the club closed, and everybody was going up to Tristan's house for the after party, and she went up there too, and because she knew Tristan from. Chloe and um, she stayed up there till like seven in the morning, and it was but there was always other people in the house, and they didn't go anywhere, slip off into a room or anything, and um, they were you know they were definitely talking, and she said she was drunk, and so might have been a little. She said she, she might have been a little more, I guess, touchy feely for lack of a better term than she normally would have been, but didn't look at it as a sexual thing. She's just like you know I know him and I feel safe with him, and she said once he when he walked her out, he kissed her. Uh, and she was, she kind of like kissed, I, she didn't necessarily kiss him back, but she didn't like push him off. But when, when she got in the car, she said, she was like, wait, that shit didn't really happen. Like, what the fuck? And so she said she went, she kind of lied at first to Chloe and them because she was embarrassed and didn't want to start drama. So wait, how um, did everybody find out there was a photo or something? Somebody, no, some that, that what happened was uh, apparently that Jason, what was his name? Jason Lee. Mm. That uh, that blogger guy, you know, ice cream guy. Oh, Hollywood Unlocked. How, okay. some, somebody yeah. Hollywood Unlocked was was there and saw it exactly, exactly. And called Jason. Jason called Chloe and them. Okay, so it was a blogger. Oh. Exactly. That's something that kind of went crazy from there. But I mean, I I felt like Jordan, you know, because she didn't, she wasn't playing the victim. She was like, yeah, I did that shit. That shit was wrong. It was whack. I've apologized to Chloe several times. Like, I've reached out to her. I've reached out to Kylie. Like, she wasn't playing like, yo, they're just fucking with me. She was like, I had a part in it, and what I did was wrong. But, you know, Jada was, and Jada asked her straight up, did you ever sleep with him? Did you sleep with him? And she was like, no, no, no. And, right. you know, it, it was it was very compelling. I, I felt like she told the truth. Did you guys see? I didn't see, I didn't see, but I will say, I feel like, because whatever day it came on, I was buried under something else, doing something else. And I still haven't gone back and watched it. But I'm happy, because one of the things we talked about last week was that we were all a little surprised at the Red Table Talk jumping into this conversation, not at the time realizing the Smiths' relationship with Jordan, which explains everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that Jordan has someone with equal firepower on her side. (laughs) Because the reaction yes. 
to something as simple. Even if Jordan had kissed Tristan back, even if they had full out made out, the reaction to I kissed your man has been so outsized. Like it's it really has been like Jordan was having a full on like fucking like like they like they like they yeah. had sex. You know what I mean? And, 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 and Chloe on Twitter, you broke up my family. Yeah, like by by because your man kissed me like the fuck. And and even now, Chloe halfway walked back her statement, but. It was only halfway because she was still like somebody I've loved and treated like family hurt me. But yes, Tristan is the one who broke well, she, up my family. And then, but then she's incrementally fully retracted her statement because I think her most recent tweet was Jordan is not responsible for breaking up my family. It's totally Tristan's fault. Okay. So she's been like, which, which is so strange to me. And I don't know if it's just her attempt of being more authentic. Like, I'm pissed. Okay, I kind of get it. Okay, now I really realize or that it's my man's Or she's just realizing fault. the backlash is for real. Or the backlash is that's, real because, like you that's said, what I think it is. that's a real platform. Yeah, but, and like Will and Will, Will and Jada having your back is like some real shit. And the thing, the absolutely. other thing that was happening is, no matter how mad Chloe was at at Jordan, the Kardashians were basically orchestrating like cyber abuse against this girl. Mm-hmm. Like you got. Larsa, Larsa Pippen is 46 years old. Why yeah. are you coming at a 22 year old? What is wrong with you? Literally. You know? literally. <laughs> yeah, like. Like, literally, Larsa could be Larsa's lost mom. Like, legit. seriously. Like, seriously. Like, and I know, like, the Kardashians pay all your bills right now because your husband cut you off because you cheated, right? Like, it's just, and, and the, the makeup blogger, dude. <laughs> Yeah, like the makeup blogger do, like, and, and it also takes no onus for the fact that, like, Ma, you had a, your son, your daughter's father is a serial cheater. He cheated with you on a pregnant woman. He cheated on you while you were pregnant. He, we have TMZ on right now while we're, while we're taping. Me and Cheyenne have TMZ on on mute. They're showing that this nigga was out with somebody else last night. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to raise my hand, right? So, I'm married, right? I've, I've, I just want to married as hell. I'm married as fuck, right? And be super transparent, right? Because we keep saying Tristan is cheating. Yeah, they ain't. I don't want to be technical guy, but but they're not married. But like, not married. But like, is he even in a relationship? Like. Cause relationships yeah. be one sided as fuck sometimes, right? Like he got a because he got a whole because he, he got a whole ass house that he live in like, like, alone. That's what I'm saying. Like, like what, what, what are we establishing as the baseline of fucking up my family, right? Like, we're like, what is the what is the foundation of such a statement? Because yeah, to me, it seems like dude was fucking with Shorty. You came around. He started fucking with you. It, it, it like it, it's not like, this nigga wasn't playing house. Y'all right. niggas acting like he was going to Target on Saturday morning and and and, and running the kids to the gymboree. Right, like, like that nigga. I mean, he out here, and I ain't. This ain't no shots. He's a young man. He's wealthy. He seems to be living like that's what that's what is so. That's what it, I will say. That's why he's seemingly so flippant is because it doesn't seem like he's been in a relationship with any of these people. Right. And that, and just, yeah. And just, I mean, for some, for some behind the scenes, because I'm, uh, ex- a couple of degrees separation from his ex 
whose name oh. is also Jordan, by the way. Oh, oh, the, oh, one, you, the, the one that he left so for Chloe. His situation with Chloe. Now, she's a cop. She knows. I know somebody know who knows yeah. her very well. I got you. I got you. Is, she uh, Delta? So, is she Delta too? No, she's not. Okay, okay. But she, his situation with her, with the other girl whose name is Jordan, um, was not any different. Was not any different than what he was doing with Chloe. It was just him being with Chloe because she is a Kardashian is a huge platform. It's way more public. And I think a lot of that was driven by Chloe. It was driven by the Kardashians. That's my, that's my point. Like we keep make, like he, there's been one consistent common denominator here. Tristan. He's yeah. been consistent. Right. He, he was, hasn't wavered. He was consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't understand what, what is the, and, and then like, even if that young woman has sex with him, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to sit idly by and watch them do that to a fucking 22 year old kid. Right. I'm just not. And it's not I, like, it's just not yeah. going to be okay. Like, and and like we said, a big part of that is, okay, you know, look, man, the game is the game, okay? You're getting long in the tooth, okay? You got some kids now, and you ain't going to be popping in these streets anymore, okay? Yeah, right. You're not going to be able to do all the shit that you was doing. Because when we think about it, you know, look, when she was out here really going hard, like, nigga, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, what? 12 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like, you know, yo. but she, you know what it is? She just got fly in the past like five years. Well, that's so, my, my point. You know, is, my point is she, she feels like she's playing a little catch up. She's playing a little catch up right now, right? And she's trying to live her best life. And I get it. And look, you know, Chloe's not going to be hurting for attention. Somebody, you know, some, some, somebody will <laughs> try to, try to keep some time with her mm. at some point. But my point is, it's like, they they seem to be making these relationships or she seems to be making this relationship a lot more deeper than it is. Tristan has never come out publicly and said, hey, this is my family. This is where I want to be. Nope. He's never done anything. He, um, he wasn't in the Kardashian Christmas cards. He wasn't in the Christmas cards. He's mm-hmm. not doing and he ain't running. He ain't going to Walgreens to pick up Chris pressure medication. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> they do. They, I will say, if you watch the Kardashians, his uh, involvement and his representation on the show does make it seem like he's very, very involved and he is there. They had the baby shower. His mother came. All of his family was there. He's had moments with Chris joking back and forth. The presentation on the show does make it seem like, like he's very much a part of the family. But again, that narrative is led by the Kardashians. Right. And I think, I think the other thing, the thing that really bothers me about all of this is Chloe having the cognitive dissonance to be able to talk about anybody breaking up a family when yeah. this nigga literally had exactly some what you did eight months like she was like eight seven months yeah pregnant. it was eight months when pregnant. y'all got together like mm-hmm. how how do you not yeah I just yeah. I don't know yeah and I and, and and I just think the the thing that I also thought through and what you uh, alluded to earlier was um the backlash on on twitter was was vicious like with with people coming back at chloe on some like are you kidding me like like and and i think they just did not expect um it's almost like we said we talking about with robert like they just they've been rocking this way for so long and been right. able to cyber bully people and kind of get their way in me and get the media to always be on their side that when the, that twitter backlash came for like a good solid 
probably 24 hours of them just just destroying them i think it really threw her off like oh shit like it ain't working (laughs) it ain't working you know and they just that's why uh like shy said it was this incremental walk backs because it was just like wait a minute we okay just say this maybe they'll stop oh wait wait, wait, let's say that maybe they'll stop and one of the very poignant things that jada did on the red table was pulling out the you are a black woman she yep. pulled that yep. out and that was a powerful card she said listen you are a black woman in this industry you're they're going to disrespect you she mm-hmm. was like i know i have been through my fair share of getting dragged on these mm-hmm. internets and it's time for you to really realize basically in so many words these women are not your friends they're not mm-hmm. your friends and, and they'll on your heartbeat everywhere felt that yeah yep. i mean it's team joy i'm seeing hashtag team jordy Jordan has mm-hmm. her own eyelash line. It's women in the makeup world who are supporting her and doing all this. I mean, she's getting a following off of speaking her piece. And I and think also- the reason why, and I think the reason this is getting so much traction is that it there is a shift happening in the Kardashian brand, right? They're still one of the most powerful family brands ever. I'm not saying that they're about to fall off tomorrow, but they are no longer untouchable. And, no. and, and there, and there, and there's, I think they're, and they're no longer automatically the flash shit, the hot shit, the yeah. whatever shit. Yeah. And yeah. people's voices against them, especially when it comes to appropriation, mistreating black people, misunderstanding black culture, inserting themselves where they don't really belong is starting to become louder. And this was like a tipping point. And again, I'm so thankful that Jordan had that relationships with the Smiths because they're yeah. not the only other couple that could have backed her up this way was like, and, and back the Kardashians down might've been Jay and Beyonce. So yeah, like, I'm yeah. so happy that she had that, that she had somebody to defend her on that level and back them down. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen a trail of black woman bodies that they've shitted on Trina, um, uh, uh, Lauren London, um, the Malika girl just gets treated like shit constantly. Yeah. Um, and then on and even, on. So. Even as much as I don't fuck with China, even China. China. Yeah, it's China. Yeah. yeah, it's been terrible. So anyway, so like we're going to end it with a, a subject near and dear to pretty much every black person's heart. Uh, Michael Jackson. So the leaving, the leaving Neverland documentary came on HBO this past weekend. It's a two part, uh, uh, two parts. And then it was a, Follow up uh, with Oprah. Um, the two parts of two hours each, um, with uh, I guess starring, for lack of a better term, featuring um, Wade Robson and uh, what's the kid's name? Jamie. James Safechuck. Safechuck. James Safechuck. Yes. Yeah. Basically um, centered around their accounts. Their accounts of abuse um, with uh, with Michael Jackson. Um, well, I want to say it was more. I want to clarify. It's more about. It's more than just their accounts of abuse of Michael. It's really a story of how being brought into the inner circle of the biggest and also like most unusual star of our time affects you over your entire life. Yeah. You know, and and being groomed by that person. And yes, the abuse was part of that, but I think just the whole thing of Michael deciding like, I'm like, you're special to me for this period of time. Like what that means to you and your family, like as you 
try to grow up and be a normal person. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's a hard watch, man, because, uh, these guys told some very compelling stories for lack of a better term that in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, and you won't find a bigger Michael fan than me. In my opinion, those stories seem to be felt, you know, felt like, yeah. it, what, what, what was interesting, what many of the main things is interesting about the stories is James and Wade told their stories and the patterns of their stories were exactly the same. Like uh, what Michael, how Michael kind of allegedly, you know, set, set them up. And then when you look back and they started talking about the other, the other kid, Jordy, and it was a couple other kids. Yeah, um, that, that that were in the in the documentary as well, telling their stories. The patterns were exactly the same. Exactly it was, exact, the same. It was just a, this is what he did. This is how what he did. That is how he moved. He got brought the kids in by bringing the whole family in, and then once he would bring the whole family in, he would slowly start to push the parents away and right. say, you know, it's only us, and only we can only trust each other, and you can't tell anybody what we're doing, and so on and so on, and and. And each of those kids had the same story. And the, the, the other thing about the documentary, which is harsh, is they went into like really graphic detail about like the, the sexual shit that Mike was yeah. doing. That shit was bonkers. Like Mike sticking fingers Nigga. in niggas' asses. It was a lot. Mike, 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 Mike trying to fuck niggas in the ass. <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike jerking his shit while niggas spread his cheeks. It was a lot. Mike, Mike, Mike giving head. My, my, the nigga Wade said he. We get to, it. He, we nah, get nah, it. nah, I'm keeping it real right now. My nigga Wade said he was trying to give Mike head, and Mike drink was too big for his mouth. Because like, he was like seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Here's Sh- the- Cheyenne, you all right? You all right, Cheyenne? No, I didn't. Cheyenne I still hasn't watched, watched it. it. Oh, watched you ain't watched it. it. I, I'm well, over. I'm, I'm, it's too much for me right now. So, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> so the thing, uh, the thing about the documentary, the documentary has been controversial, not just because of the content, but the doc- the existence of the documentary itself has been controversial. It's actually been more controversial than the content of the documentary because the thing about Robeson and Safe Chuck is that both of them testified for Mike in 2003, I mean, in 1993 against Jordy Chandler. Yes. Wade testified again in 2005 for the second trial. Um, yes. Safe Chuck did not. Along with uh, Macaulay Cochran. Along with Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wade still had a public relationship with Michael and praised Michael publicly up until his death. Wade and his mm-hmm. family went to the funeral even. Mm-hmm. And neither one of these men came, you know, um, said that this happened to them until 2013, um, which was like four years after Michael died. And then they sued mm-hmm. the estate and all of Michael's companies, all of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the thought is that this is a money grab yes. um, and that, you know, they've coordinated their stories. They've done whatever. So I listen, I I believe that if you're of a certain age, it's hard. To, it's almost impossible to believe that Mike's not guilty of some shit. If yeah. you remember the Wacko Jacko era, if you remember in real time him having a different white boy with them all the time, every all year, the time, if you remember how um, just strange he was. And I think some of that he played up so people just wouldn't fuck with him or dig too deep into things. Um, if you remember like his really weird relationships, even when he got married to Lisa Marie, even when he married married Debbie Rowe, who I don't think mm-hmm. he ever did more than just talk to. I don't think he ever touched Debbie Rowe a day yeah. in his life. She's a, like, I think Debbie Rowe's like a, a straight up lesbian. Like, yeah, like she was the most random white woman. Like the yeah. most. 
Like he yeah. almost, it looked almost like he walked up to somebody on the street and was like, "You like she was like a yeah. nurse practitioner." Yeah, she, yeah, she worked. She worked, she worked in his doctor or his dentist yeah, office. Yeah, like she it was four to twelve. Kind of- yeah, she worked four to twelve. <laughs> hey, 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 hey switch with me this weekend. I got someone to come. <laughs> right, like if you so if you were if you were there during if you were of age during that time watching all this go down, there never really was a. Oh, it's a conspiracy. They coming for Michael. Not even like, like more motherfuckers believed OJ than believe Michael. Right. Yeah. And it was like, it was just like, yeah, he did something. So like, like, Mike, like Mike crazy, Mike weird type. Yeah. Shit. He I, did something to them boys. I believe that shit. I think that, um, here's my take. I think that, uh, Wade suffers and was suffering from, um, not having attention. As long as Michael was alive, there was the level of attention that Wade got, right? So mm-hmm. there, there was that point where Wade had not become just a cute little precocious dancing kid, right? But he was also a really highly sought after choreographer, right? Yeah. During yeah, the yeah. boy band era. And then that dried up a little bit, right? And then if you notice, if you look at a lot of those clips, you know, he's doing these sort of MJ dance routines in right. these big sort of conference, hotel conference room, ballroom things right so he has identified so closely with that he's always been the michael jackson kid yes Mm -hmm. and so and so the thing about when mike dies right is like there's this sort of immediate outpouring of love and 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 adoration and things of that nature right and then it sort of peters out right because then you get you you kind of have the sort of murkiness around his death the doctor goes on trial and all of that which was pretty quickly right so we're talking like this 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 is from like 2011 right so now you got this real long stretch where no one's calling you right no one's yeah. no one's no one's no one's calling you and i think wade has a bit of that in him i think he has a bit of stage kid still in yeah, his absolutely. gut Absolutely. And, 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 and also to be clear, like I said with the R. Kelly situation, right? Like that doesn't mean that anything didn't happen. Right. Exactly. I don't, I don't exactly. believe, I don't believe everything they've said. I just don't believe, I just don't believe that none of what they're saying is true. Right. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the part that, 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 that people get, keep getting kind of like convoluted or conflated or whatever the word you want to use on, on, online and stuff. And when, and people kind of just have these things like, oh, you know, they trying to bring the black man down and why now? Why not Harvey Weinstein and why not Elvis? And, and I was like, that, nothing, nothing you're saying, nothing you're saying has, has anything to do with the fact that Mike was fucking these boys. Like he was, right. you're like, it, it, one doesn't have anything to do with I'm, the other. I've always asked, I've always asked one simple question. Let's just say for the sake of argument, all of the sexual shit that they're talking about, a complete, it's complete fabrication. Okay. Right. Like you niggas are going to sit here and tell me that that grown ass man running around with them little boys was okay. Like, like. Like, like, nigga, if I showed up at the podcast with a fucking eleven-year-old boy talking about that's my best friend every week, you niggas are gonna be like, "What the fuck is going on with you, bro?" Nigga, man, nah, nah, not, not in here, and not today, my little homie. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, people always like, but he loved children so much, and you know, he didn't have a childhood, and he was trying to recreate. And I had even kind of come around to listen. His relationship with these kids was wildly inappropriate. Like, if nothing else. Your closeness to children, your attachment to children 
having children sleep in your room, even if you're trying to do a slump party, nigga, that shit started when you was 30 something years old. Exactly. Like, 35 talking about with some 11 year olds. Let's watch wildly, a movie. It's wildly inappropriate under any conditions. Whether he touched it, it's still wildly that's, inappropriate. That, that's, children yes. with candy and gifts and come to the ranch and stay the whole week. They go, yeah. what the fuck? And we also know, we also know from understanding, you know, abusive and sort of predatory relationships now a little bit more, we understand that one of the things that predators do is they often go after the most vulnerable people, right? right. Which are kids who are poor, who are sick, who families are in need, right? right? Like who are in bad situations, right? Because if you notice, like Devon and, and Traverius, them things is not at Neverland. <laughs> At all, okay. Ever. It was always, right. it was always, you know, Tad and Ezra and, exactly. and no kids, right? So, exactly. I, I, I say all that to say, like, there was, there was definitely something, um, you know, sort of, and like you, like you mentioned, now, I think there was a level of of him sort of being an enigma that he played up, so that way it was almost like sleight of hand. Yeah. Like if I do, if I do enough crazy shit in front of y'all, won't know, y'all won't notice these boys. So you won't, not only that, when you hear it, you won't believe it. It all becomes yeah. like noise. Right. Yeah. It all becomes noise. And I, and I will say the other thing that I think was important about watching the doc and the reason Oprah, cause people become that Oprah like, and we were even kind of surprised that Oprah was, was getting involved in the conversation. The reason Oprah did the post show, um, discussion was because what she said about the doc that, that was really important is that it, it shows you how long-term grooming, what long-term grooming can look like. Mm -hmm. Like abuse can be seductive, right? And I think that's one of the things that give that makes me believe a, at least a good amount of what James especially, because James is fucked up. James, James seems fucked, fucked up. Like, up. He seems so damaged, right? Wade, his, 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 his wife seems like she, because she always kind of smiles and even kind of like, says thing like says things in like almost like a laughing tone as even yeah. as in her in her conversation and i think that's her, her like masking how bonkers it is yeah james cat. you can tell james is fucked up wade feels a little slicker but james is fucked up but what's important is that when people are like well, why were they still around him and some people who were victims of abuse were like i never wanted to be around my abuser first of all you're seven and it's Michael Jackson or you're 10 mm -hmm. and it's Michael fucking Jackson. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the first day he met them. He was, he was, he was. Yeah. It it was very slow and it built gradually. And first it was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to show, I'm going to teach you how to masturbate. This is normal. This is what people do. And then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, try it with me. Okay. Let me try it with you. Okay. Let me, let's watch this movie. Like it was very slow and he introduced things in incrementally. And it wasn't even until at least with Wade, maybe it was with James. One of them, they were a full teenager before he ever tried penetration and it still didn't work. So it didn't happen. Right. Yeah, I think he tried to penetrate both them boys at one point. Yeah. And it didn't so, happen even one of them. Yeah. So Oprah was like, it's important to know that A, when this kind of grooming starts very young, children don't necessarily have the language to know it's abuse. Um, especially if the adult involved, they trust and they love, and the adult is telling them, if it's their only knowledge, like if you haven't 
if you don't know anything about sex or sexuality and the adult is like, this is affection, this is love, this is whatever. And that adult treats them well in every other circumstance. Like, see, that's what I, that's, see, that's what I was going to say. The, the other thing that people kind of forget is like, okay, so yeah, Mike doing all this nasty shit and that's weird and, you know, it's crazy. And, but then like during the day, like they going to see the llamas and they going to watch movies and he's right. taking them to, to all these uh, shopping sprees where he talked about basically you go to a store and like literally just fill up a cart, two carts with whatever you want instead of right. getting like the one toy. Like, so it's kind of all this abuse is also tied into a lot of ha- happy memories too. Exactly. You know? and that's the thing. Both of them, and again, I'm I'm really focused on James because because James especially like seems. Well, so well, well, Wade is dead inside. He's just he's. he's well, you a, said that. You dead. said that you've met Wade. Yeah, I, I met him. You know, he's a long, long time ago. He when he was choreographing for Britney and um and Shakin and and then Justin. After that, he would be up at the jive offices. Once, whenever he came to New York, it wasn't like he was there all the time. But you know, I met him, and it was totally impassing. Like he wouldn't remember who I was. But right. but my point was that even meeting him, he just kind of stares at you, and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" But it's like he's very cold. It's almost like robotic. Right. Like like all those. And even his mom was like, "Yeah, he cried so much." With Michael Sooner, even more, he cried at his. Father's yeah, funeral, but yeah, and then awesome. but then Wade would always say it's time to go back to work, right? Well, let me, off, you let, know me what just, let me just say this too, and we've talked about this again with 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 R. Kelly, and and you can see some of the um, mirroring uh, behavior, right? Which is yeah. finding poor family infrastructures, right? Like poor family infrastructures, meaning when you listen to the, I think it was James, the the family that lived in California, right? Yeah, it's James. Okay. So there is, and this is the one that, that where they bought the, he bought, he basically bought the mom a house, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you notice that the mom specifies that there was turmoil in that home mm-hmm. between her and her, her husband. And her husband, yeah. And she says that he didn't, you know, he didn't know, right? But Michael is grown at this point. Michael is yeah. grown and he understands and he sees the signs of turmoil from his own house. So he yeah. knows what that shit looks like, right? Yeah. So, and, 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 and again, I'm not saying that it was, you know, written down and he was doing surveillance or anything like that. But I'm saying is, is that those sorts of things, seeing that Wade's dad is basically still living in Australia, thousands right. of miles away, that there is, that there is a broken level of infrastructure and, and, and the fact that you would allow your children to sort of go off with this stranger, right? Because you think that this is, you know, some sort of idea, you know, idyllic, um, vacation, you know, because for me, my questions has always, why, why, why are you doing this for me? Like, why are you like, what is, what is, what is, what do I owe you? After you've picked up the tab for me to go to Hawaii. And I think that's natural, right? Like, um, James's mom said one time she came into the theater. So in Michael's theater room, there was also a bed. So one time she came, and I'm sure it was a massive bed, but she said one time she came into the theater room and, and Michael and James were in the theater room, like on the bed under the covers. My mother would have been like, what the fuck? Because fuck that's yeah. not okay. Like, it's just not. It's not okay without me being in the room with y'all. That's no, not okay. it's not okay for like, nigga, what the fuck? You ain't going to play. Go play with Tommy up the street. <laughs> exactly. You're over there playing with that grown ass man. Yeah, remember James, was it James or Wade? No, Wade. One of the mother of the mothers said that Michael, I think it was Wade, Michael, whatever, whatever. Michael, Michael, Michael asked wanted, him to leave them for a year. 
For a fucking year. He was, he was seven years old, like leaving with me for a year. Like, bam, they asked, they, and she said that, and while she was, she said that she told the nigga no, and then it turned into like a debate. Like she was like, we can't yeah, he was like, well, I always give so, it. And then he was so like, his, well, like, his well, also, ain't no debate, nigga. No, fuck out of here. His also was very interesting, right? So, so, so here we, we can juxtapose these two different issues, right? So we have, so we have Michael's maid, right? Mm-hmm. Going on, on and testifying that she's school in the shower, um, with boys. Right. Right. We, Condemn her, right? Like she apparently is a part of the big conspiracy theory. She's an absolute liar, right? Because Michael, this black man, is being caught in the shower with these young white boys, right? And her son, for the record, her son initially said that Michael had fondled him too, but he didn't want to testify until he knew who else was testifying. And he didn't testify in 2003, but he testified in 2005. Okay. So, 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 so now take the Sandusky thing. Which is literally the same testimony. Right. In which a man says, I've seen this man in a shower with young boys, a white man in the shower with young black boys, and it's, it, is, it, it was inappropriate. Right? We believe him wholeheartedly. Right. The maid is, you understand what I'm saying? Like the dynamics. No, the dynamics are just so interesting in how, and I get it, right? Like there is, there is a clear, long history of black men and their sexuality coming into question, being hung literally and figuratively, right? right. And, and, and so we understand that there is a level of community and a level of protection that we always come around to and surround people with, right? Right. My question again to all of those people, my nigga, none of y'all were leaving y'all kids with Michael Jackson. Stop. Never. It. Like never. And the other thing I think that's so that troubles me about this really stark defense of Michael, the first thing is where there is more than a little bit of smoke, there is fire. And even though Michael, first of all, who has two trials for child sex abuse, for one thing, it wasn't one trial, it was two yeah. trials. Right. Even if he was acquitted, the fact that you were tried for a sexual abuse of a minor twice in and of itself, like the fact that you were that exposed to be in a position to be arrested and go to trial for sexual abuse in a minor in and of itself is questionable. But there were other allegations that never resulted in charges and didn't go sure, to trial. Right. Sure. So it's where there is smoke, there is some fire. It might not be a raging forest fire, but shit, something is there. Here's the and, point. The, and, and like you said. Nah, that, that's a perfect, that's a perfect point, which is where there's smoke, there's fire. Cause guess what? We're not having this discussion if Michael doesn't do have 11 year old boy sleeping in his fucking exactly. bed. Exactly. Like, like on, the- on a regular, <laughs> on a regular for years and years and years and years. And also, if there's any celebrity we don't really know, it's Michael. Like, Oh, he loved kids. Oh, he this, he that. He was just innocent and he trusted people too much and he saw the good in everybody. But on the flip side, Y'all believe he was coming for niggas publishing. Y'all believe he was petty enough to take the Beatles publishing from Paul McCartney. Y'all can believe all the other stuff about him. And you want to say he was a confident parent. And you want to do all this. None of that jobs with he was just Peter Pan trying to reclaim his childhood and he didn't understand. You know what I mean? Like, so let me ask a a question. Um, yeah. Okay. So let me ask this question. So how do we deal with uh, the quote unquote canceling? 
because um, I, because because obviously Robert is you know just jumping back to Robert. Robert seems to be pretty much canceled, even by uh, uh even like Shy said, even by his people back in Chicago. Like for the most part, people's like, "Hey, bro, you got you know you got this has got to stop." Michael obviously is a bigger uh entity uh icon than Robert ever was, and that's no disrespect to Robert on the music side. Yeah, the music side. Robert did some damage on the music side, but nobody's bigger than Michael on it. And this, and he's literally part of our lives from the time we were, you know, cognizant of thought. You know, we Michael Jackson songs and the dancing and the, the and all everything that goes along with him and the cultural things that he did. So, do, do we cancel Michael now based on these things? Like, do, what, what's, what's 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 what do you think is going to happen? What's going to be the result? I don't like know. Like, rock with you. Are they going to not play rock with you at the cookout no more? Can we not dance <laughs> to Don't Stop to Get Enough? Can I we not know. sing I Can't Help It? Or, uh, are you, are, well, maybe you and I know it's not a good example, but, uh, yeah, I can't help it here. Maybe not. I'll put that one to the side, but um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what's, what, what, what are we doing? Here's what I think. I think that Michael is going to be a trickier conversation because we actually have been, sep- we've been separating Michael from his music for so long. Cause like yeah. by the nineties and I, and I made this point when I wrote, um, I wrote a review about the doc and I made the point to say that in the nineties, black people weren't fucking with Michael personally that hard. We would still fuck with his music. Well, but, early nineties he was cause that's when he put, I remember the time and all that. Yeah. But, but we still, we were fucking with his music. Well, but, I just like that remember time, the time video. But, man. We, but the we first time, the but remember and remember the time when he kisses his 90, mom? We was all like, what the fuck is that? Like, that awkward ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were all, but we already were like, Michael's a weirdo. Yeah. And we felt like Michael wanted to be white. Like, that was the thing. We all thought Michael wanted to be a white man. We all thought that was what the nose jobs and the skin yeah. lightning, vitiligo, yeah. whatever. The narrative used to be Michael wanted to be a white man. So Michael had that vitiligo now. Come on. Now. He didn't <laughs> want to be white. But boy, he just, he just right. spots on his skin, you know. Yeah, and then at some points there was a joke that Michael wanted to be a white woman. Like, you know, whatever. So it was like we had already separated ourselves from Michael culturally or at least had a complicated relationship with Michael culturally. He still put up bangers. We would still fuck with his music. Mm-hmm. But, like, Butterfly I don't remember there was a the time. Every, almost every Def Comedy Jam, there was a Michael joke. And the trial yeah. was right after the Dangerous album. I mean, the first set of allegations was right after the Dangerous album. So it was like Michael probably did that shit. And then even when he... You know, the Lisa Marie marriage, that kiss on the MTV Awards was awkward as fuck. Like, we we were never buying what Mike was selling in the 90s. Not for real, for real. You know? So, do we... Let me give you a scenario. Let me give a scenario. I think early Michael Jackson music still rocks. Okay, so let me, give, let me give you a scenario, because this is going to be coming up in the next few months. So, the S is Fest. And yeah. you know you're between the, the the acts or whatever, and you in in the Superdome, and they put on rock with you. What's gonna be the reaction? It's Essence Fest. They gonna be fine. They still oh, gonna they be fucking with. They fucking with. Put R. Kelly on right now. Like that's not, <laughs> that's the wrong scenario. Yeah. I think um, this is my thing is gonna happen. I think, and I have to decide. But I'm not giving up. And this might be hypocritical of me. I'm not giving up early Michael music. I'm not. I'm sorry. So what, what's your cutoff line? What's your cutoff line on Michael? What's the I line? To, it might be the Dangerous album. I got to figure it out. But I also think that... So you ain't going to sing Butterflies no more? I never really love Butterflies. And I always play Marsha's version. I don't play you Marsha's version. Them? What about I you, play Marsha's you like, version. What about you, like Shia? What's, what's your cutoff, Shia? What's your cutoff on, on the Michael on Okay, the Michael so music? 
my I'm I have mixed feelings about just cutting off music artists in general. Mm-hmm. I think there is um I'm of two minds of it because for one we people love music because of the emotion that it evokes. So if every single time you're out in public somewhere and an R. Kelly track comes on or a Mike track comes on and you got to second guess how you feel about it, that's that's a problem for me. I'm, I'm already interrupted. I can't enjoy this music in the same way without having a guilty conscience. Mm. Um, do I think people are still playing that music in the house? If I'm cleaning the house by myself, I, I might absolutely throw a Michael Jackson. Now, what about if your neighbor come over and knock on your door? <laughs> you reaching so hard right now. I know I'm talking. I'm talking shit. I know. But the you thing know. is, like we. But the thing is, like I think that we've already. Get, this is why it's also complicated. I think in almost every real music fan's mind, there are like three different separate Michael Jacksons. There's Kid Michael Jackson. There's Jackson there's, Five. There's there's yeah there's Kid and Jackson Thriller. Five Michael Jackson. There's early solo Michael Jackson, and then there's long hair, light skin. Um, I'm carrying boys around Michael Jackson. I think we have actually separated who he is, which is easy to do because he physically looks so different. Right. So much about mm-hmm. him was different. It's- His whole persona was different. So I think that that I think that Wacko Jacko gets canceled. I okay, think that so, Michael, so so I black and white, black and white, and all that. Well, remember the time they never get canceled, but some of that no, other shit. The, yeah, like, like speed demon. <laughs> Speed Demon and uh, uh Captain really- Captain EO. Yeah, like nobody was playing blood on the Bad. dance floor. Nobody's no. nobody was rocking with blood on the dance floor. Like you still might get some, but even with shit like you rock my world and butterflies, they don't get that much burned. It's older Michael stuff that gets burned. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like his later stuff really isn't that's not his that's not his best stuff. I think that I think it goes up to the dangerous album, and I think that that's something that people can do easily because that was a different mic for us almost. Like bad is when he started kind of changing. So we so we like, good so we good we, so we good, we good with the, we good with the off the wall album. I, I'm good, never giving good. up off the wall. You will cry <laughs> you will cry off the wall out of my cold dead hands. They, Twitter can cuss me out. They call me hypocrite. I don't give a fuck. I'm not giving we, up we, off we the good, wall. We good with shaking we good with shake your body down to the ground. Right, we, but also like Mike's dead. That's and what that's I was going to say. Isn't that the point of the mute movement? Is we are no longer going to 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 fund you. We're no longer right. going to give you your money. You can no longer make money. That's the whole kind of the point off of mute, and also right. send a message to other artists going forward that we, the public, are not going to stand for poor behavior or for continued behavior. Right. And that's the thing, like, right? Right? With like with Rob. The problem with Rob is that Rob was still doing this shit and Rob was still actively out here trying to make money and do shows. Right. Mike been dead for a while and his last album was eight years before he even died. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it, it's, it's a different because if we start talking about quote unquote canceling Michael, we have to have conversations on a different level. Granted, there's not a lot of other artists out there who have this same like history of of sexual abuse allegations but we gotta talk about physical abuse we gotta start talking about artists that whip like am i supposed to give up ike and tina shit you know what i mean like it's it's a whole bigger conversation james brown yeah Uh, james like there's so much you gotta shit miles davis i'm gonna stop listening to miles davis artists ain't never been shit yeah, like, I mean, not to justify anybody's actions, but artists have never been historically wrong, no, ethically, ever. in their behavior, ever. And whether they started like that or the fame and the money and the and the and the and the um proximity to just drugs, abusive behavior, whatever, got them into that. Artists have always been troubled, but the difference with calling with holding current artists accountable 
there is a difference between holding current artists accountable for current behavior and revisiting dead artists. And that's my thing with Michael. Like Michael's legacy is not going to be, but so what people forget is that like Michael's legacy was tarnished when he died. He's been redeemed in death. Like his shit was shaky as fuck when he died. Since he's died, we've chosen to remember all the, the things time, we loved about him. Exactly. Um, and that, and so he was redeemed in death. There is no danger to his legacy in just revisiting it. I don't think it's wrong to be able to be like, yo, Michael did some shit. Like he was brilliant and he gave us some, he was one of the greatest entertainers of the world. He gave us like amazing music. He was fucking off the charts. Brilliant. We'll never see anyone like him again. And he was fucked up. Like, I, I don't see the danger. I, I think we have to stop being scared to say that. All right. What you think, bro, before we wrap up? I, I agree. I, I, nigga, I watched the marathon of the Cosby show the other day. <laughs> Yo, I, I didn't know Cosby show was back on TV one. I was like, oh it's shit. It's been on TV yeah, one. It, been, it never stopped. It never stopped. Yeah. But I, I, I say that to say, I understand. Listen. Everyone, and I've said this on the show before, everyone has their line. Yeah, you, I you am not in judgment. Line. I am not in judgment of anyone else's line. I know my line for, for Dirty Rob. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you I'm not, you none of that Rob. shit's in my phone. Yeah, none yeah, of that shit's yeah. in my phone. And that's been for years, way yeah, before yeah, me, nah, R. Yeah. Kelly. Absolutely. And, 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 and I understand. I got a line for Floyd Mayweather, right? Like some people, are, I'm not, I'm not buying them fights, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying the fight, but I mean, I watch it if it's yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. My man, you know my man get the paper. Yeah, you know, <laughs> everybody's everybody's line is different, and when and what you can separate, I just haven't been able to separate. You know, Rob is really the only person that I haven't been able to separate at all. Like at all, not, you know, so for me, yeah, you know, I'm definitely going to be listening to Mike and, um, that doesn't mean that. And again, I'm not saying I believe everything that was in that documentary. I'm not, I'm not co-signing or saying that everything right. in there was, was truthful and heartfelt and all of that other shit. Yeah. What I am saying is I don't not, not believe it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> If you told me it was true, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying we gotta, you know, the fact that, you know, guys are still not willing to even admit to, hey, this is, this is crazy and weird and really a part of the reason, you know, if you, if you feel like he's innocent, this is a big part of the reason why his legacy looks like he's not. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh man! What about you? What are you doing, um, Jeff? Shit, man. My line probably go all the way up to butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I don't listen know. to none of that new shit. Yeah, you, oh, you don't fuck with the new shit. I, 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 I mean, I fuck with a little bit of new shit. Like some, yeah, it, some of the re- the records definitely weren't got worse as they went on. You know, no, you know, off the wall to me is is the pinnacle. Not thriller, even though thriller sold the most records musically. Off the wall is my pinnacle. It um, is. but um. But yeah, it, it, I mean, the thing about it, me watching the documentary, like, I kind of, it just kind of put, um, credence to what I guess I already kind of knew. It's like, I'm, I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this shit. It's like, right, right. yeah, I kind of knew he was doing this shit, but like hearing the, 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 well, kids, now men talk about their experiences just kind of made it go like, yeah, Mike did that shit for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, like, now I said, I already had kind of separated anyway. 
because I kind of knew Mike was was that shit he was doing was a little off base. But um, Mike's been just a, too much of an integral part of my life for, for me to honestly and realistically say I'm not fucking with him no more. It's it's ridiculous. It's not it's not real. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna you know say prayers for those people who he abused and. You know, I guess he'll have to deal with it in his own, and you know, he's dealt with it by meeting the maker. But I, you know, I'll rock with you. Come on, <laughs> I'm, I'm right here with it, man. And and that's the thing. Like the other thing is like purchasing Michael's music. You know, the like Cheyenne said, muting a movement. The muting movement is more about like no longer financially supporting and rewarding someone for bad behavior. Um, at this point, you know, if you are new, first of all. If you're new to purchasing Michael music, I don't know what to tell you. I own everything already. So it's not even like I'm about to go out. Yeah, and it's already on my phone. Like, right. So it's kind of like, but I get it. Like streaming exists, et cetera. Of course, video, airplay, whatever have you. But I just think that there's a, again, there's a marked difference between like his kid, his kids got to live. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a marked difference between actively supporting an artist who is currently still engaged in a behavior and revisiting, you know, past sins of someone who's gone. Exactly. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up on that note. Shy, uh, we can't wait to see your pictures from the from the UAE or the Qatar or Qatar and Valley. Whatever and, it is. Hey, yeah. bring, bring me back some teak wood, a, a teak wood, something shit. You know, they you know, that's their yeah. big thing over there, teak wood. People go, you know, people go to buy a gang of furniture in Valley. And, ship and, and, and diamonds, I've been told. My mother. Oh, family. yeah, I didn't know about the diamonds. Yeah, I know, but yeah, but I know the first. No, I don't, do <laughs> I don't even exactly. know what I'm going to do with some diamonds. Talk about send, some me, send me back, send me back a, a dining room table or something. <laughs> 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 uh, but I have seriously, like, have a safe flight. And um, like I said, we'll be following you on the gram and talking to you. Thank you for joining the show. Um, and that's it. We're going to wrap it up and we will see y'all next week. Later. Peace. And that's what's popping in the world of entertainment. Thank you for listening to the Pop Life Podcast with Jeffrey, Naima, and Sean. Want to be a part of the show? We've got three ways you can get involved. Like us on Facebook. Send us your burning questions to poplifepodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Pop Life Podcast. Talk to you next week.